Is that record? Yeah. All right. Um, so today I'm going to be reading or studying Genesis 22 verses 1 to 5. And before we begin, let's pray. All right. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity that we come, that you are able us to come tonight, Lord Father, and uh, to study your word. I pray you enable me, Father, to just um, really dive into your word and to really take in, Father, what your message is for tonight and what your, um, your learnings are from uh, just all the learning, Lord Father, we get from Abraham and his uh, experience, Lord Father, and what you've put him through and all the tests that you've put him through as well. I pray that your Holy Spirit will be here, Father, and that you just able us, Lord Father, to just um, have an understanding heart and just ears to listen, Lord. I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be reading Genesis 22, verses 1 to 5. And just say amen when you guys got it. Amen. Say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a, fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther and we will worship there and then we will come right back. So this is what we're focusing on. Basically, the topic is Abraham's faith, not Isaac's submission, is the focal point in these verses that we're finding. And so straight away, when we're going to the verses that um, I just want to go straight into it. So basically in verse 1, it reads, sometime, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. So this is basically from verses, uh, from chapter 22, from verses 1 to 5, is basically like the HSC of a test. Because throughout uh, Abraham's life, God called him around, um, first from, to go away from his father's household which is in Haran, and God called him to go from there, but yet Abraham is just so comfortable that he didn't want to. And then so along he goes from Egypt, and then he goes to meet Abimelech, and then so on. So he goes through this journey where his faith is being tested and in, in different um, ways. So this is basically like the end um, of the test where God's like, all right, I've given you some quizzes, some practice papers, now this is it. Now this is the big test. And then I like it here, so I'm looking on the verses, I read again. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. And what really stood out to me was God called Abraham by his name, meaning it's a personal trial, like his personal test. He didn't say, Abraham and Isaac, go, go, you know, he, he didn't call Abraham and Isaac, he called Abraham specifically. And it's crazy because um, he replied, yes, um, here I am. Like usually, I remember I was talking to Bolt, like if you get a knock at the door and you don't say, yes, here I am, if someone calls your name, you're going to be like, who's that? 
Like I remember um, this funny video by um, this comedian George Lopez saying how Latinas usually look to the, the, the curtain saying, who's that? Like it's funny because me and Rebozzi would usually do that. Like we wouldn't reply like Abraham saying, you know, yes, here I am to just <laughs> anyone. And he's crazy because that shows how Abraham knew who God was. And Abraham knows God's voice. And then if you read in John uh, 10, verse 27, it reads along, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. That is a clear example of Abraham knowing God's voice, and they follow him. So basically that word means they follow him. Because usually when, in, in the past, Abraham, when God would call Abraham, he wouldn't just be straight, yes, here I am. It's like, you know. Lord, I'm here. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for, he's more in the sense he's, he's waiting for um, what God is going to say. Like he's in a, uh, he's nervous or he's, he's just in a waiting. He's in like a standstill. But in here, his reply is so direct that he is ready for what God is going to give him or what's going to um, tell him. So yeah, so basically God is compliant. In, verses, in verse 1, it says, so, shows uh, that Abraham is compliant with God, that he knows um, God's voice and he recognizes God. So if we move on to verse 2, it reads, Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. And God presents a, the first... Um, uh, like, in a sense, title or um, uh, what's it called? Uh, theme that I see is God gives clear instructions to Abraham. And then that's what Abraham sees. So he says, Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac. And then what really points out to me is I highlighted your only son, yes, Isaac, because we know that Isaac is not the only son of Abraham. It is also. Um, his name, uh, Ishmael. And then so Ishmael is the firstborn, but not of Sarah, is of Hagar. And the thing is with Ishmael is that Ishmael is not the promised child. He's not the promise that um, he made with Abraham. So then in a sense, when um, uh, God says, take your only son, if we read back ahead as well, that um, Sarah and Hagar had a bit of... Um, they, they, they weren't really matching, so then uh, Sarah went to Abraham and told him to send them away. So then when he says your only son, he has his only son with him. So his son is not present in his camp, in his area. So he's then again saying your only son. And so, yeah, so God is reassuring that Abraham is talking about Isaac because Ishmael got sent away with Hagar. And yes, Isaac is the only son that is present with him in the camp. And so we go on and then it says, and go to the land of Moriah. So Moriah is actually a pretty um, iconic mountain or land. Because if we look forward, so actually we're in Genesis, if we go forward ahead, um, in 2 Samuel 24, 25, if you guys want to look at it, um, or if you in your own time, it's 2 Samuel 24, 25. Uh, David actually bought land from a person named I don't know how this, this name is pretty weird, but Aruna, the Jezebite, Je, the Je, uh, Jebusite, in which he built an altar to God and sacrificed a burnt offering 
to the Lord to stop the plague. So that's pretty iconic. Because also, um, the instruction that God gave Abraham is to go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. And if we go forward, David, um, God actually um, instructed David to go and buy this land from, the, um, from Aruna, the Jebusite, and buy the land. So he had a land um, it was, which was uh, Moriah, and then God instructed David to make a burnt offering, so to buy the land, to buy the land first, and then to um, also buy the animals from uh, Aruna and offer them as a burnt sacrifice to stop the plague because there was a plague happening at that time. So then that's pretty iconic, that happening. So God uh, instructs Abraham to take his son as a burnt offering on Moriah. And then a few years ahead, God instructs Abraham, uh, David sorry, to go and do another burnt So to buy the land, so to take ownership of the land and to do another burnt offering. So it's pretty iconic there. And also with uh, Solomon, David's son, Solomon is, takes the land as well, and he builds a temple on Mount uh, Moriah. And then he also um, uh, I think does a burnt offering on there as well to give thanks to God. And then so, and, and as we, through the uh, verses too, it says, yes, again, to go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And basically the burnt offering is... Um, is one of the practices that the, the Jewish people do. It's different. They got uh, the burnt offering, they got the sin offering, and they got other offerings out there that are all different and all specific to what um, their needs are. And the burnt offering was done to have an atonement for oneself. And what there was, so each each offering had different um, specific uh, roles and also specific things that you need to do. So for the burnt offering, it had to be a male without defect. It could be a land animal or a flock, so from the herd or from the flock. That, that's for a burnt offering. And other ways, in, and then the other one, the sin offering, one of them is actually you, it has to be a male with one, without defect, but it has to be a bull. So there's very, there's very specific rules that God set in order for um, these uh, offering practices. So yeah, so that's just pretty iconic for it. And then as we go on to verse 3, as we read along, it says, The next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, wood for a fire for a burnt offering, and set up for the place God had told him about. So as we read that here, God still says, you know, um, to, to go and take and prepare for him for the next day, to go and prepare for the sacrifice. And, and what really stood out, because I'm seeing this, you know, the wordings and the context of the Bible is really set out in Pacific because it's just meant to, because when you meditate on the word, it really captivates your mind. So you really have to read the, the message and what God hears early. So I remember what, when I talked about when um, Abraham or when Abimelech got up early when God talked to him in a dream, pretty much scared him to, you know, to, to the point where he couldn't sleep. And then Abimelech, when he got scared, he got up early the next morning. So when you get up early the next morning, it's either like in, his, uh, in Abimelech's um, circumstance, was, he was nervous, he was scared. 
But in Abraham's circumstance, in this context, we see that when you get up early, because I know I, I start work at six in the morning. And when I get up early, I know I have to get up at a certain time because I have to be prepared. I have to prepare my things. I need to, I know that the next day I got work and I need to prepare everything for the day. So for to, uh, to work for the day. So that shows that Abraham was not hesitant in the instruction God gave him. So if God says, go and sacrifice your son for me, imagine God telling you, like, I don't have a child right now, but imagine God saying, go and take a car and throw it to the dumpster. I'm going to be like, I worked so hard for that, that I'm just going to give it away. And it's just for, for in this instance, it's like God, Abraham waited so many years for the promised child and he just got his son that God has delivered him, and now God's like, yeah, all right, now give it back to me. Like, imagine that. Like, imagine what he would have thought. But yet, all those trials and all those tests that Abraham been through, he didn't have a, any doubt, any, any second of thought to, um, to kind of question God. Like, like we read, he said, yes, Lord, here I am. Like, yes, here I am. That's it shows that his obedience is on the point. So... God would, use, God would put us through um, trials, not only um, for him to realize, like, uh, to see where we're at in our faith, but rather he'll put us um, to these trials and to these, these, these tough times to build us up for what's coming in the future. Because putting, putting Abraham to this test is not for God to see, all right, let's see where he's at. Like in the normal high school or our uni, they usually do um, finals where they see where you've at, so where you're at in the the unit, and finding if you really know what you you've learned. But God is the God who knows everything, so there's no point in doing a test. He already knows Abraham's faith, but this is for Abraham to realize how great God is and how God doesn't second thought anything or He doesn't compromise on what His promises are. So if God told him to go and sacrifice his son. And God told you earlier that, God told Abraham earlier that, um, you know, I'm going to give you a son so that your descendants will be many. He's not going to be like, uh, God's not going to contradict himself and say, you know, all right, I gave you a son now, I want him back and that's it, no promise for you. You know, as we see, God, God does not um, uh, fault, fault in his promises, so he keeps it strong. This test is only for Abraham to see how great God is and how faithful God is for him. So now it's for Abraham's turn to show it to God. You know, so then as we continue, so he got up early and Abraham was prepared for the day. He knew what he was going to do and he did not um, hesitate to act upon it fast. So as we know, we get up early and we get prepared for the day and we know what's to come. So Abraham knew he had to sacrifice his only son. He didn't like just, you know, be like, oh, what if I wake up a bit later? Maybe I might miss the chance. He knew he had to do what he needed to do. And God gave him clear instructions, and that's obedience to God. So showing great faith and obedience to God um, was what he showed here. And then, so as we move on, he took two of his servants. So we know that Abraham likes to leave a place with people, well, with certain people. So then um, when we know that when Abraham left uh, his father's household, when Abraham left uh, Haran, who did he leave with? He left with Lot, his nephew. And so when he goes to places, when he went to Egypt, when he went to um, the land of Abimelech, 
here with, with Sarah. So then in this, in this portion, it shows that he took his two sons with him along with his son Isaac. So it shows that Abraham still doesn't, he's, we, know, we learn that Abraham is a family man and we know that he doesn't like to do things alone. But yet God called him by his name. So he didn't call Abraham and, and his servants, go to the land or go to the land where I tell you and sacrifice Isaac. They didn't know about the sacrifice. So when, when God puts you to a trial, you don't, it's not meant for, um, you know, for you and your, your mum or you and your, your dad or your wife or your husband or anyone. It's meant for you personally. So when God puts you to trial, he's testing you. Because we know that with, we're not going to go to heaven because I'm good mates with the pastor. Or I'm best friends with the elder. You know, God, God's not going to, God's not going to um, be like, oh yeah, you know this guy. It's not, you know, in the world, in this place, we know that in work, if you, you're good mates with the boss or if you know this certain, people, certain person, you know that you can achieve certain things. That's how it is politics. But God is not unjust like that. God is a just God and he knows that um, the only way through him is through his son by having a, a personal relationship with him. And then we know that showing personal is by calling Abraham and calling his test by, each, by his name. So it's basically saying, Abraham, do this for me. And he's testing him. But we see that, yeah, as we see, he, he took to his um, servants. So we know that Abraham's still slight, um, slightly lingering, but as we go on, we'll see. So as we continue to verse 4, it reads on. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So this is a short verse, but what I really got here was the significance of the third day is also related to Jesus' resurrection. So there's, in the Bible, we see that the third day is, um, or the number three, or this, the third day is just a, a, um, a special number or a special, um, yeah, a number in the sense where also, you know, the... Um, what they saying? You get the Holy Trinity is three. So then there's a very specific, and we can see it, the third day can be linked with Jesus' res resurrection on the third day. So we just see little connections here and there. And as we continue to verse five, it says, Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will, we will come right back. So... Stay here, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servant. So now we see Abraham is grown from, from a place where I want someone with me when I leave to where Abraham realizes, all right, God called me and this is a test for me. I'm going to leave my servants here. Now it's time for me to step up, you know. So, yeah, as we go to life, you know, our, our pastors, our fellow brothers and sisters are here for for us, you know, we pray for each other, we, we counsel each other, we're there for each other. But in the end, um, God is, it's one-on-one -on -one with you and God. Yeah. You know, it, it, when you come face to face, when God comes back, you know, God willing, he'll come back soon when he comes back. We're not going to be face to face with the church, like the church is all next to us and then God's going to be in front. It's going to be between you and God. Yeah. And you are um, accountable to, it's between you and God. So yeah, so Abraham says, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel farther. We will worship there and we will come right back. So I highlighted we will worship. 
So usually people like to think worship is a sense of singing, singing songs and playing music. But worship is obedience to God. And Abraham shows that by being obedient to God's instructions. We usually think, all right, worship, all right, you know, people usually sometimes pastors say, you know, you can worship anywhere, and that's true. Because when God, your life is basically, you're, you're living to, um, to be just like Jesus. And if you sin and if you choose to do the things that, um, that are against what God says, that's not being obedient. And, it being, um, and not being obedient to God is not worshipping Him. You know, that's showing that I surrender and I know who you are and I surrender to you and I'm obedient to you. So we know that also worship is not meaning, all right, I'm singing, singing songs, clapping my hand and playing music, but it's a form of obedience as well. And then as we read, it says, we will come back, come right back. Now, this is crazy because it shows, it, he says, so Abraham told his servants, the, so he says, the boy and I will travel a little further and we'll worship there and we will come right back. When you read that, we, who's he talking about? He's not saying, I will come, come right back. So if he knows he's going to go sacrifice someone. So let's say I'm going with the lamb. I'm not, and then I tell someone, yeah, we, we will come back. Me and the lamb will come right back. But you're knowing you're going to kill the lamb and sacrifice him. When, the, when you've done that, there's going to only be one of you. So when he says we, he doesn't say I. So when we look at that, he says we will come back. So Abraham knew full well of God's plan that God is not going to allow um, something to happen to Isaac. He doesn't know. He maybe might. At this point, Abraham's going to be like, all right, I'm here to sacrifice Isaac. And that's what God's told him. He hasn't told me that, or oh, I want to bring him back to life, maybe. Or an angel might stop me. I don't know. God might do something. Or God is going to provide I sacrifice on the hill, you know? So at this point, we know that Abraham has fully matured in his faith. So we see, we see that right here, we will come back. So if you know you're going to go kill something, you're not going to say, yeah, we're going to come back. I'm probably going to resuscitate her somehow or put a band-aid over the, the knife wound, you know? We see that Abraham has fully matured and he knows that God is faithful and will not allow his plans to be interrupted. So that's crazy to see how this mature Abraham is to see, to know. It's crazy to know that he knows that God is a God of what he says he is. God is not going to fault on his promises. So if he says something, if he says that your son is going to be the fruit for your multiple uh, descendants, then, you know, then, then why is there, why question God? Because he's at a point where he hasn't questioned God. You know, he says, yes, Lord, here I am. I wake up early. I know what I've got to do. And then um, he knows he's not hesitating and he's not questioning God's authority and he's not questioning God's promise for him. So we see a maturity in the sense of his journey. So as Abraham, right from when um, God called Abraham from leaving Haran and all those little trials built up and all those, those, those little... Um, his little stepping stones built up to his maturity in this point. So as we go through life and as we go through times where it feels like, you know, yes, we fail God, or yes, we've, um, like our faith has diminished a little, or we, we've become weakened. We know that through that and through overcoming, God rewards those who are faithful. 
And we see that through um, Abraham's journey. And then at the end, God, you know, the test would eventually build up. It's like if I go gym and then I go for a, a gym meet, which is basically competition and I don't actually, I don't just prepare for it. And I go there, I'm probably going to like pass out because the weight's going to be too heavy. I won't be able to do it. But as I prepare for it and as I build tissue and as I tear it, that tissue, that muscle tissue would actually strengthen and condition over time. So when it comes to the final stage where I need to perform, it would be there and it'll be ready. So this is a sense where faith is something where you need to keep working on and working. It's not going to be something where you're going to get it straight away. And we can see that it's evident with Abraham, that we see that through his trials, that his faith is being built up. So we know that he's being obedient to God. And then, so when he says, uh, we will come right back, Abraham, knowing full of God's plan for Isaac, that he knew that God will provide another way. So, and then, as we see, God cannot lie about his plans and his promises. And Abraham knew the plan he had that God promised him. So in conclusion, um, God only tests us to help build our faith. And the test isn't for God to know uh, if we have faith, but for us to grow in faith. Because God is all knowing God, we know that you know. As we read in the um, in the uh, Bible, the book club, we know that through the Trinity, we can't really explain it. We can't really think towards it. And when we explain to other people, they tend to get lost, and they're like, "Oh, you know, what's that?" Or I can't really, I don't believe in it because I don't see it or I don't touch it. But then again, God works in mysterious ways, and then if we have faith and faith is having um, trust in the unseen and believing in the unseen. And then we know that God will, would reward us through that. And so, yeah, so it, and it's also for us to realize how faithful and how true God's promise, promises for our life. So when God makes a promise in your life, when God says this and that, know that you're not going to, God's going to just say it and then, probably years down and be like, oh yeah, maybe not, I might not. <laughs> you know, um, he's, God, once he sent, says something, his word is final. And God, in his nature, in his ultra nature, he cannot lie, he cannot sin, and he is a man of his word. So as a man, we've got to look to God as well, saying, if you say something, you've got to mean it. No. And God, reward, God rewards those whose faith is instilled in him. So I'm just going to close with the verse. It says, it's, um, 1 Peter 1, uh, verses 7, it reads, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Amen. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for just... Um, your wonderful, your wonderful message, Lord Father, and how your servant Abraham, Lord Father, have has persevered through the uh, trials, Lord Father, and the tests you have put, put him through, Lord. We know that life can be hard, and we know that as we go through life, we can fail you, Lord. But we know that as we persevere and as we stay strong in you, Father, that we know that you'll reward us, Father, and we know that you cannot back down your promises, Lord. For when you say something in our lives, Lord Father, when you promise, Lord Father, something in our lives, we know that you are going to stay true to it, Lord. 
and we know that you will not back down on it, God. And I thank you, Lord, for you are just so faithful to us, even when we are unfaithful, Father. Even when we do things, Lord, to um, kind of disrupt the plan or when we go our own way, uh, we know that our, our ways are not even strong enough to deter your promises, Father. That we are not even, we are me mortals, Lord Father. We cannot even interfere with your promises for our lives. And I thank you, Lord Father, for guiding us. And I thank you for your word. And I thank you for just revealing to us and to just reminding us, Lord Father, your word and your promises are firm, Lord Father, and that we know your word is firm and you will not uh, fail us, Lord Father. So I pray, Lord, that we would stay strong in you, Father, and that we would show our love and obedience to you and our worship to you, Lord Father, by um, practicing obedience to you, God, and listening to your instructions and knowing, Lord Father, that you are faithful and that um, we should not doubt you, Lord. And yes, Lord Father, thank you for your word and thank you for, the, for tonight. I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.